As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Time for another Straight Out of Cobham. This is the Chelsea podcast from The Athletic. And on this episode, need a backup midfielder? Better call Saul. We round up the Chelsea transfer window winners and losers and look ahead to the new WSL season. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Welcome in then, listener. The window is shut. Hope it went well for you. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Joining me today are The Athletic's Chelsea correspondent, Liam Toomey. Hi, Liam. RIP Koundé update. Hello. <laughs> yeah, it'll be back. Don't worry. I still had a few tweets saying that. Uh, also with us, the former Chelsea Academy player turned broadcaster, Sam Parkin. Hi, Sam. Bring back Koundé update. Morning, Matt. <laughs> Uh, well, the transfer window was gently pulled into the lock position on Monday night. Did Chelsea win it? We'll discuss that next. Uh, breaking news this Thursday morning that Tino Andrian has completed his loan move to Locomotive Moscow. Uh, Liam, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks and it's been reported on The Athletic. It's a loan with an option to buy and then an option to buy back, we understand, which is very 2021. Yeah, many layers to this one. Um it's a very interesting deal because I know that Andrin has had loan interest and permanent interest for the last couple of years um, from various clubs in England and in Europe. We didn't really hear about Locomotive Moscow as even an option until quite recently. Uh, and I think the presence of Ralph Rangnick there has been quite prominent, both in convincing the player and also in discussions with the club because, of course, we know that Rangnick is uh, formerly Thomas Tuchel's mentor. Uh, and I think maybe the, the idea that they see the game in, in similar ways has, has helped grease the, grease the wheels of this one. But the, the option, I can understand why that might have dismayed some Chelsea fans. We'll see whether Locomotive wants, want to take it up. I guess it depends how things go between now and January. There's no doubting that Andrin is talented enough to be well worth that price. And it, if he hits his ceiling well worth the buyback price which we believe to be about 34 million uh double the 17 that locomotive would pay in january um so it's it's all about now development and what andrew needs most is just regular minutes locomotive are in the europa league they're 
they're in a competitive European league, although maybe not as high level as some of the the leagues he could have gone to. Um, but he just needs to play regular football. He's 19 now. He's he's behind a lot of his peers uh, just because he hasn't played enough and he's had injuries at the worst possible times. So he just needs to build some momentum and we'll see where it takes him from there. Sam, you've seen plenty of Tino Andrian. I'm guessing probably not very much of the Russian Premier League. Um, I'm puzzled by this move. I get the Ralph Ranić connection. I don't really understand why the, the Russian Premier League would be the, the best place for him to develop. Maybe it's, I don't know, he's not going to get kicked about as much as he would in, in the Championship or, or elsewhere. But on the face of it, it seems a strange one. Yeah, it, it does. I can't lie. Um, I've enjoyed watching his development and had really high hopes that, you know, after a, a potential season in the Championship, I would have thought would have been his his next step. Um, we could have been talking about him maybe um, being part of the squad at Chelsea or maybe looking for that Premier League loan. Uh, Conor Gallagher and uh, Billy Gilmore are uh, currently enjoying. So a little bit surprised. Always admire someone going to a different league, going to a different country. I would have loved to have done it myself. So I admire him from that respect. Um, but it does seem uh, a little bit strange. I suppose, as Liam says, he has to stay fit. That's the big question mark about him. It always has been within the academy. Uh, being able to play regular 90 minutes matches has been a big problem for him. And also um, the queue in front of him. He's well down the pecking order. So for those two reasons, I can understand him leaving to go and get games. But of course, the destination is a big surprise. Well, we'll see how he gets on as the season progresses. Uh, there was also some last-minute incoming transfer activity for Chelsea on Tuesday as the club announced the loan signing of Saul from Atletico Madrid. He joins Marcus Bettinelli and Romelu Lukaku as the Blues' summer additions. As we mentioned on Monday, the Jules Koundé deal with Sevilla didn't come off. Uh, despite that, though, Chelsea, Liam, got to be pretty content with how the window's gone. In terms of incomings, I mean, not not even to mention the amount raised through player sales. It, they've done a, a lot of work to undo the, the damage of 2017 that was still kind of lingering around. Finally. Um, yeah, it's taken a while to, to get off a couple of those contracts. But when you're reigning European champions, you need quality, not quantity. Chelsea only had a couple of holes to address in terms of recruitment. They got an elite number nine, which was always far and away the number one priority. And you have to say that in in terms of that fourth central midfielder role, while you know I'm very high on Billy Gilmore's talent and his potential, and I think he, he could definitely have a very long career as a starter at Chelsea and a key player, right now, Saul can probably give you more in terms of experience at the very highest level. Uh, and so you've you've probably upgraded there. And now you look at Chelsea's central midfield options. Does anyone in the Premier League have have better? They've got two potential Ballon d'Or candidates, Mateo Kovacic, Saul. Both have played in Champions League finals, you know, seasoned internationals, still in their mid twenties. It's a uh, it's a vast array of riches. And Marina Granovskaya has done her work in terms of offloading quite a few players. There's still a couple in limbo. Hello, Ross Barkley. Um, but they've addressed most of the uh, most pressing needs, both going in and coming out. Uh, Sal then, £4.3 million loan fee option to buy for €30 million Euros, uh, next summer. He said on Ebay Lanyo's Twitch stream, no less, 
Chelsea have promised to train me in my position to resume certain customs that I do not perform now. That is the most important reason for my decision. According to my good friend Wikipedia, Ebay Lanyos is an internet celebrity, streamer and esports commentator. Uh, and apparently Twitch is a social media thing for people far younger than me. Um, Sam, I, I think this is interesting because he's not saying I've been told I'm going to come here and play. But it, it feels like he'd been playing out on the wing a fair bit for Atletico Madrid and didn't like that, apparently. He wants to be a central midfielder. But it feels like the, the main attraction for him here might well be to train under Thomas Tuchel. And you can kind of understand that, I guess. If he's not getting first-team assurances at Atletico, but he, he gets the, the chance to train under the, you know, the current bright young thing in coaching, you can see why he's taking it. Yeah, of course. And I think it feels, certainly from the outside, like his career's just stalled a, a little bit partly down to being deployed in a number of different positions. So I can't disagree with anything Liam says. I mean, he's coming into a squad where you've you've arguably got the two best players in that position in the world right now. Um, and, it, and it sounds like his characteristics kind of, I think, uh, are quite similar to, to Kante in some respects that it looks like he goes and closes people, especially in the final third. He's tenacious, which uh, you have to be playing in a Simeone side. So I think he, he brings that element to the game. I think goals and assists are going to be a bonus. I think you just need to look at his return last season, two goals and one assist in his, his 41 appearances. So that's not something that's readily going to happen, I don't think. But I think as, a, as an understudy, probably initially to Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, he's probably near as good as you could get. So very exciting and and again I concur with everything Liam says it's a brilliant window some Chelsea fans would probably have wanted another striker just in case anything was to happen to Lukaku but I think that Thomas Tuchel likes Havertz in that role he's got Werner he's got Pulisic at a stretch um, he's got different ways to go about it if Lukaku would be missing um, maybe the left side of the defence was just something if I'm looking at the squad right now I don't know if Liam's got any ideas, but who would be the person to to filter into that position if Rudiger was to come a cropper? Because I, I think that's the one area, maybe Trevor Chaloba could go over there, where they, they maybe haven't got two outstanding players for every position. Is that a bit of a worry, Liam, that, that, that they think Chaloba can do everything? Maybe he can. Uh, we'll find out, won't we? Um, he, he is very versatile and he's already surprised a lot of people. Malang Sar's still around. Uh, his his loan move fell through and I'm not quite sure what he's going to do until January now but with Emerson out the door and we saw that Tuchel most often used Emerson on the left of a back three when he did play uh, maybe Malang is going to drop into that kind of fringe role on the edge of the squad we'll have to we'll have to see how things pan out um, but yeah I agree with Sam that that's probably the only hole the only thing you could look at and reasonably call a hole, you know, like if they if they'd got Kunde, probably would have been a view to playing him on the right of a back three, mm. which would have negatively Im- impacted Chaloba. So it's a it's a positive, at least from his perspective, that that deal hasn't happened. And I, th- I think Chelsea generally have enough bodies to get by at a pretty high level across all competitions. Uh, we got loads of questions via Twitter on the transfer window. Here's one from James. He says, there is a definite increase in the selling of youth players this transfer window. Does this signal a new strategy towards having a smaller pool of players and cherry picking those likely to succeed? Uh, Liam, do, do you think it was that? Or was it just the fact that a lot of the, the youth players in question actually made the decision to leave themselves rather than to be sold? 
yeah, I think what we saw this summer was quite a few young players taking agency over their careers and and using using the Cobham Academy for arguably what you should use it for from a pragmatic point of view um which is you know the best one of the best finishing schools in in world football yeah i i know chelsea really didn't want to lose tino livramento for example you never want to lose your academy player of the year but they didn't really have a choice in the end and the, and the buyback clause they got in that deal with southampton was was pretty much all they could salvage from the situation and Mark Gurhey similar in that okay he had two years left rather than one but he didn't want to go on loan again he wanted to go and get some st- stability and play regular Premier League football and be a key part of something I think there's a certain element of pragmatism on Chelsea's side as well in that in this market in particular they were less picky about who they sold than they might otherwise be because they knew they had to raise funds for their own recruitment and these were the players that other clubs wanted so they're trying to strike a balance, but they definitely lost a couple of young players they didn't want to lose. And I think you have to give credit to those young players for taking control of their careers. Here's one from Adit who says, what do the guys on the pod make of Hudson-Odoi staying at the club for another season? Do you think it's a chance denied slash wasted for Callum to get some consistent game time at another club? Simon's got a big piece on this on The Athletic this morning. Um, Sam, we hear that Borussia Dortmund were interested in taking him on loan. According to, to Simon's piece, Chelsea uh, and specifically Thomas Tuchel have blocked that because he wants the cover. It's a difficult balancing act, isn't it? And, and as Simon explains, maybe Hudson-Odoi suffered from, from not having gone out on a loan spell and been brought straight into the, the Chelsea first team. So he's not maybe as developed as some of his contemporaries. There is that. Honestly, I think he just uh, not particularly helpful for him but he just falls into that category of not being quite good enough to command a a regular spot in the 11 but he's shown his versatility we know his quality so he's going to be in the 18 and he's going to play in the cups and he's going to play when there's injuries and such like and the manager needs to maintain a squad of a certain depth and a certain quality and unfortunately some people just have to swallow that and it's the hardest part of a of a coach, of a manager's job, trying to keep the morale of someone like Callum Hudson-Odoi, possibly Ruben Loftus-Cheek, moving forward. And the other, the other ingredient, of course, is Callum Hudson-Odoi doesn't probably naturally jump out and fit into this system. Of course, we've seen him right wing back, left wing back in pre-season, number 10 at a push. But invariably, his best role would be wide on the left-hand side in a 4-2-3-1 or, or something similar where he's cutting in field and getting shots away. So yes, he can play a variety of roles, but uh, again, when we're talking about a few members of this squad, they, they their position in this system currently doesn't jump out. So I have sympathy for him, but he has to show when he gets the opportunities that he's ready to step in when there's a, a vacancy in that, in that starting eleven. I think it's becoming increasingly clear that for his development, Hudson Odoi probably would have been best served by joining Bayern Munich when 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 their interest first surfaced in him. Because you look at what's happened to Jamal Musiala, who was far less established as a first team player when he made the same move from Chelsea to Germany. And of course some of the other players that have gone from the Premier League to top Bundesliga clubs and really kicked on. I think he would have got opportunities there that he just hasn't had at Chelsea. And that 
Unfortunately, the Achilles injury came at the worst possible time because Lampard's season 2019-20 would have been the season, I think, for Hudson-Odoi to break through. That was when the window was most open. But as soon as Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Christian Pulisic, or as soon as all of these guys, Hakim Ziyech, are in the door, he suddenly got so many people ahead of him that are more established and um, and more proven in the eyes of most coaches. It's just very difficult for him. And now that he's signed that long-term contract, he doesn't have any leverage either. So when clubs like Borussia Dortmund come in for him, Chelsea can just say no, and there's not really much he can do to put pressure on. So I think his his leverage is gone for now. And the, the sad thing is that, you know, windows for development don't last forever. And he, he's got, I think he's got sky high potential, but he he just needs to play. Uh He's in a better position than the next two players we're going to talk about, at least. Andrew asks, when Danny Drinkwater received more interest than Barkley or Loftus-Cheek, then something went very wrong. What's happened to Ross and Ruben? They aren't in the first team and couldn't generate any transfer interest. Liam, I'm going to speculate. Is it something to do with the wages that the pair are on? Is it something to do with, I don't know, the attitude of Barkley, maybe, and and the way that it didn't go for him at Villa last season? You could say the same for, for Ruben at Fulham, but... It's a surprise, isn't it? You, you've got Ross Barkley, who is an experienced England international, as is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and, and seemingly Chelsea couldn't shift either of them even on loan. I think it shows the perils of what a bad loan spell can do for you, can do for your reputation in, in the eyes of the, the industry. Um, both both had relatively underwhelming Premier League seasons last year elsewhere. And all of a sudden obviously a depressed market as well where clubs aren't really prepared to put that much money out there they're not appealing anymore um they're too old to be considered you know potential plays they're not considered reliable enough now to for most clubs to think they could come in and definitely contribute right now because Loftus Sheet wasn't a you know wasn't a key player for Fulham you would say last year and Ross Barkley lost his place for Villa and the wages just don't justify it. They would be, what, top three, top four earners at any club they joined if if that club covered all of their wages. It's just a very, very difficult situation they find themselves in now. Um, sorry, Ruby's just exploring behind me. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I know from Loftus-Cheek's perspective, you know, conversations I've had in the last couple of days, he still really wants to play for Chelsea. But that looks like a more remote possibility than ever now that Saul is in the door and, and Chelsea aren't sure anywhere in midfield now. Um, and Barkley, who knows, he hasn't even got a squad number. So it could be a long wait for him until January. What do they do, Sam, in terms of motivating themselves? Because we know how Chelsea works. I guess Loftus-Cheek might have an opportunity of some under-23 football, but you can't see them putting... Barkley in, in that squad or getting some minutes so what on earth are they going to be doing they're not they're not even going to be training well certainly Barkley you wouldn't think is even training with with the main groups as much money as you earn it's got to be really difficult to sort of keep your spirits up if you're in that kind of position I think for for once in in this profession money becomes completely irrelevant at this stage um, I think it's the hardest part of the job when you're cast aside if you like I know Loftus-Cheek was on the bench at the weekend but I don't know I don't know how to 
how to describe it. I suppose there's there's a there's a bit of embarrassment probably about it going in every day. I think your your, your self esteem is probably affected, and it's really difficult to remain focused and have your eye on the ball. I, I suppose is the best way to, to to put it together, and all those ingredients make it a difficult time mentally. So I'm sure they're going to need cajoled through this. Um, and hopefully they'll be able to remain involved. I suppose they're going to have to explore any options that are still open to them. I know there's a few windows that are still open uh, around Europe um, and try and keep their spirits up. I, th- I think, again, you know, the wider picture is really that Loftus-Cheek doesn't really fit in right now. Um I think he had that brilliant spell in the under Sarri, if memory serves me right, where he, I think he got 10 goals and obviously played a part in that Europa um, League run. And um, yeah, I think in a in a different system where he can play as one of two attacking midfielders, he, he'd have a better chance of, of playing. But I don't think he's anywhere near the level of Mason Mount, Kai Havertz in, in their position. And deeper, I don't think he has the... I don't think he has the, the the skills probably in that department either, really. Uh, Loftus-Cheek is brilliant when he gets turned. He can run from just inside the opponent's half. Um, there's there's few better sights, really, when he's on song. And I think it's a similar case for Ross Barkley. Um, uh, and with maybe some moments where his professionalism hasn't been great. I think that's a, a point that you, you raise, Matt, that maybe have some, some legs in it. So... Yeah, it's it, it, it's difficult for both of them, but you, you hope that their situations can get resolved or they can, you know, prove to be decent members of the squad, which is going to be the task for, for Hudson-Odoi. He's going to have to knuckle down and uh, and show promise when he gets his moments. Right, that'll do for Transfer Talk for 2021. Then next today, we'll turn our attention to the start of the new Women's Super League season. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Rexham premieres May 2nd on FX, stream on Hulu. Chelsea are champions. The best in the league for the second season running. The Blues untouchable at the moment. Chelsea women begin the defence of their WSL title this coming Sunday, the 5th of September, with a London derby against Arsenal. The Athletics women's football correspondent Katie White joins us now to look ahead to the new season. Uh, Katie, Chelsea last season won the league only by a couple of points ahead of Manchester City. Everybody strengthened, it seems to me, this season. Certainly City, Arsenal and, and Everton look like a threat. Does it mean it's going to be a more competitive league this time round, do you think? 
I definitely think so. Looking back, it's very strange to think that Chelsea only won by a few points because there were some games where they were so dominant and even just generally they just seemed to be streets ahead of City and Arsenal. So I think in the end it was almost a bit surprising that the gap was like it was. But I think it's a stronger league across the broad this year. It's not just Everton, Arsenal, Manchester City who have strengthened and in City's case really, really recruited well. But Brighton have had a really good window. Leicester and Manchester United I think will cause teams a lot of problems even though United in their case have had a lot of upheaval so I think that it's going to be a more difficult league but I still think that Chelsea have far superior depth to so many teams in that league which is why I think for a lot of people they'll still be the favourites. Speaking of depth, new signings, Aniak Nguyen and Lauren James, are they being brought in to beef up squad numbers primarily or are they going to be challenging for first team places straight away? It's always very difficult to tell with the strikers in particular, I think, with Chelsea, because we remember Bethan England being Chelsea's top scorer and the WSL Player of the Year um, two seasons ago, and then last year barely got a look in against the partnership of Frank Kirby and, and Sam Kerr, who obviously dominated the league. Sam Kerr got the golden boot, Kirby swept all of the individual awards, and then Pernille Harder, of course, who's there the world record signing is in the picture yet hardly her game time was quite limited thanks to those two as well so I think that it's such a competitive picture that I'm very intrigued to see how all of that attacking talent is balanced as well before you even get to G, Erin Cuthbert, all of the other offensive options that, that Chelsea have. Hi Katie, um, I think the the memory of the, the Women's Champions League final is still probably quite fresh in the minds of, of everyone at Chelsea. How much of an impact do you think it will have on the preparations for, for the new season, both from, from the perspective of Emma Hayes and, and from her players? How, how much do you think they'll be drawing on the, the disappointment they felt to, to kind of spur them on early this season? Um, I'm not totally sure because I think that Emma Hayes is very good at parking stuff mentally and picking herself up and dusting herself down. So from speaking to her just after that, you didn't get the feeling that um, that had necessarily lingered and you've got to remember that a lot of these players have been away with the Olymp- their Olympic squads and in Magdalena Eriksson's case for instance gone all the way to the final so there's a lot that has happened in the meantime I think that they will want to challenge again this year but I look at the gap between that Chelsea side last year who were the best team in England and obviously the Barcelona side that put them to the sword so ruthlessly and you wonder if Chelsea have strengthened enough or uh still ready yet to bridge that gap because on last year's evidence they were such a long way away when it came down to it in the final so we'll just have to see whether they can bridge that gap this year. Katie in terms of the the rest of the division which other signings uh, Chelsea apart have really jumped out to you? Um, I think Everton have had a really, really good window. They've brought Tony Duggan back in, obviously. They had the three talented players from Rosengard and they've gone for players that, I think in Chelsea's case, we've obviously seen them in recent years go for the big games that they want a Sam Kerr, they've got her, the big names rather, they want a Sam Kerr, they've signed her, they want a Perniel Harder, they've got her, they want Lauren James, they've got her, so it's very easy for them to get flagship signings. And I think we've seen Everton be a bit cleverer um, in that they are probably not in that league yet but have managed to recruit really well nonetheless I think City who were obviously far closer to Chelsea's um, style and resources and everything have had a really good window with Khadija Shaw in particular um, would be the one to watch there I think it's really going to provide a lot of goals for them and I think um, 
that would be the interesting point from Chelsea's perspective is that this Chelsea team we don't have so many goals in them and now this City side do as well with Ellen White Jordan Stanway Lauren Hemp um, Khadija Shaw running to that as well Arsenal have brought Nikita Paris back in and Mane Wabucci who's going to um, be such a source of creation in the middle of the park for them so I think that the other big three clubs have recruited in a way that will make them really really competitive but it's just whether there is that lingering feeling that Chelsea are still there setting the standards and whether they have done enough to bridge that gap to Chelsea. Uh, we'll be hoping that they have not. Katie thanks so much for your time today we'll be speaking to you as the season goes on I'm sure. Great thank you bye. Katie Wyatt there, speeding down the motorway to break some important women's football news, probably. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Uh, right, before we go, a shot at redemption for the chaps as I spring a quiz upon them again. Uh, this one extremely tenuous. Earlier this week, Rude Hullett celebrated his birthday. Next week, Pat Nevin does. Both the former Chelsea Player of the Year winners. So what I want to know is how many other recipients of said award can Liam and Sam name? I'm just getting my timer up now. We're going to do 60 seconds on this. Is this the Fans Award? Or this the players? is... The one that Mason Mount won. There you go. There's one. So it's the club one, isn't it? So it's the the players voting for the the official player of the yeah, not not the players player one that uh, Mourinho made up a few years ago, but yeah, you know the the official one. You happy with that, Sam? Okay. In in history, yeah. Yes, in history, starting <laughs> with uh, somebody and ending with Mason Mount. Oh, and not chronological yeah, order. Right. <laughs> no. If you can do them in chronological order, I'll give you the money myself. Shout us the year, yeah, yeah. Go on then. Mr. Morning, descending height. <laughs> yeah. Right, 60 seconds, starting now. Liam, you're at first. John Terry. Correct. Times two. Sam? Uh, Frank Lampard. Correct. Times three. Liam? Didier Drogba. Yes, just the once. Sam? Gianfranco Zola. Gianfranco Zola twice, yes. All of an era at the moment. Dennis Wise must have won it. Twice. This is going very well, lads. Kerry Dixon. Kerry Dixon. I can't see Kerry Dixon. No, surprisingly. 20 seconds left, Liam. Oh, for God's sake. Um... Peter Osgood. Peter Osgood is on there, yes. Alan Hudson. Chelsea TV, Sam. Alan Hudson. Alan Hudson, no. Clive Walker. Correct. Um, Last one, Sam. Peter Manetti. P. 
Peter Bonetti was the very first recipient of the award, and that is a good place to uh, to finish. That was really impressive. A couple that you missed out, well, loads that you missed out. Charlie Cook twice, David Webb twice, John Hollins twice, Gary Locke, Charlie Locke, Ray Wilkins twice, Mickey Droy, mm. Tommy Langley, Peter Barata, Mike Fillory, Joey Jones, David Speedy, Eddie Nedzvecki, Tony DeRigo, Graham Roberts, Ken Moncow, Andy Townsend, Paul Elliott, Frank Sinclair, Steve Clark, Erland Johnson, Mark Hughes, Carlo Cudicini, Michael Essien, Joe Cole, Petr Cech, Juan Mata X2, William and Gola Kante, Matteo Kovacic. You didn't get any of the two of the last three years after I gave you Matt, by the way. Uh, one player has won it four times, more than anybody else. You didn't get him either. Who was it? This four is, times? I mean, yeah. No, Who did you say, Liam? Hazard? Yeah, yeah. How did you not get Edin Hazard? Anyway, he did very well on the rest of it. So, you give us um, 60 seconds and it was a quiz we couldn't possibly get 100% on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair mitigation. Um, right, Liam, what have you been working on for Athletic subscribers to enjoy, please? Nothing. I've been off for days. Um, <laughs> I've, done, I've done zero work. Um, You're doing a long read on Kunde's red card from last night. <laughs> Now, at the moment, I think I'm I'm looking into some some background uh, as to you know why a couple of a couple of players have made the moves that they've made. You know, I'll be I'll certainly be looking trying to look into the background um, of Andrew's move to Russia. I'm looking looking at uh, the football team that Saul owns, seeing if there's something that I can do with a with a piece on that. And uh, and yeah, beyond that, we'll see what happens over the international break athletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up if you're not yet a subscriber have you got a weekend off Sam? yeah I'm off this weekend so I might even um, try and find a babysitter and go out for go out for dinner that'd be tremendous (laughs) it's important to have something to look forward to Uh, right we'll be back with another straight out of Cobham on Monday until then from all of us here it's bye for now The Athletic.